Asia. This is Cloud Computing Asia podcast with Omid. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Cloud Computing Asia podcast. I'm Omid, Cloud Computing Evangelist, podcasting from the beautiful Kuala Lumpur in the heart of Asia. This is my inaugural episode. This one's called Unlearning Cloud. And with me is my guest, Mark Ross. Uh, he's been based here in Asia since 1998. Uh, Mark used to be CIO of a number of global financial services companies, after which he co-founded Asia Cloud Computing Association. He's founded and is pursuing several cloud computing startups as well, including Cloud Garage and Grid Markets. Hello, Mark. Welcome to Cloud Computing Asia podcast. It's great to have you on my inaugural episode today. Good morning, Ahmed, and I really consider it a privilege to be here and your first guest, and uh, I wish you all the luck with this podcast. The, I think the industry needs something like this to get the information out and share, share ideas and concepts with the various stakeholders around the region and the world, so um, wish you all the luck with this. Thank you, sir. Uh, in this episode, our discussion revolves around what cloud computing is not. Uh, I don't really want to overwhelm our listeners with standard definitions. I want them to truly understand what cloud computing is and, more importantly, what it is not. So here's my first question for you. Which one of those definitions out there is your favorite, and how would you explain cloud computing to a non-technical audience? Well, thanks, Ahmed. I think cloud computing is different from past iterations of technology in that it really allows companies the opportunity to focus on its core competencies and its competitive advantages rather than spending its time focusing on the technology underpinnings that are needed to support the business. It's sort of like, if I can make an analogy, cloud computing does for technology what electricity utilities did for electricity. That is to say, how many companies today that you know of invest in generating their own electricity. They take their electricity for granted. Um, but yet, if you were to withdraw the electricity or stop the, the flow of electricity, it would have a dramatic effect on, on companies. So we take the reliable and affordable flow of electricity as a, as a given. And it, would be, uh, it would be, however, an unthinkable waste of time to start a new company today and think about, well, how am I going to generate my electricity? Or in the cloud computing world, how am I going to install operating systems? How am I going to install servers? How am I going to install all those patches and upgrades and so on that spent uh, required a lot of time in the past for a company which really wasn't central to their core business? So as with energy consumption, cloud computing allows a company to focus on really what matters the most and give little thought to the planning and the management and the operations of, of those technology underpinnings, allowing them to stay more focused and particularly on their competitive advantages. All right. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly what cloud computing is. It's all about innovation, isn't it? <clears throat> for, uh, for many managers and, and entrepreneurs, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to spend time on a particular cloud pitch only to find out that it's just another, you know, what we call cloud wash, that is, you know, just the previous services rebranded with the name cloud on it. Uh, so uh, I know that the scenario varies from one organization to another or from a vertical to another. But the question here is, and I've been asked this a lot, is there a checklist for potential cloud users to help them quickly realize whether or not a particular cloud offering is for real? 
Um, and I like, I love the idea of uh, cloud wash. It's an interesting notion. I haven't heard it before, so I think you should consider trademarking that. Um, and it's true. There, there are many companies out there that have taken what they've been offering all along and just putting a, a different name or label or brand on it. That really, they don't really get it. And, and perhaps that's because they haven't made the many transformations that are required to to really offer a true cloud service. In my view, in order for something to be truly a cloud offering, it, it, for example, has to deliver certain things and provide certain things. One of those is, and probably the most important, is it needs to be a pay-as-you-consume offering. That is, whatever you consume, that's all that you pay for. You don't pay any more, you don't pay any less. And this is a characteristic of cloud computing that, that makes it especially popular with, with CFOs because... Because it's a pay-as-you-use um, uh, approach, you can much more easily manage and predict what you're going to consume. So that's one aspect that is really a non-negotiable, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other, the other is that um, cloud computing solutions perform well under a light load or even under a heavy load. They perform well under fluctuating loads. So imagine you're a company, and perhaps you're at your uh, financial year end, or maybe your month end, and you have a significant increase in processing as a result, or perhaps you have, for whatever reason, a, a significant processing increase that you need to address. If your cloud solution provider should be able to address that and perform well under that increased load as well as it would under its normal load. So that's another aspect of cloud computing that, it, that is really important. And a third uh, is that obviously it must be a secure solution. So, for example, the data that you store in the cloud, it must be highly secured and maybe even it needs to be encrypted depending on the, the type of data that you're storing in the cloud. So your cloud provider needs to accommodate these requirements. There's numerous others that are required as well. I'd encourage your audience to consult the checklist that the Asia Cloud Computing Association has created. You can go to their website. It's uh, asiacloud.org. And on that checklist, you'll find the three things that I mentioned, the pay-as-you-use, the uh, performance under load, and security requirements. But there are, as I mentioned, many other requirements as well. Um, but let me say a few words about the association, and then I'll talk a, a bit more about the checklist, which I think you'll find very helpful. Your audience will find very helpful. Sure, sure. Go on. <clears throat> sure. Um, so the Asia Cloud Computing Association was formed about two years ago. Its, its members are large companies, small companies. Uh, its mission is to promote the adoption of cloud computing in Asia. The association believes that the region can become a strong competitor if it gets its cloud computing act together, so to speak. And so the association is, is focused on doing that. It, um, it gathers, as I mentioned, companies that are, are cloud providers. Uh, it also gathers government agencies. There are individuals that are involved. And together, they work on identifying what are the obstacles to adoption and how they can be addressed. So there's a number of interesting things that the association is doing. It's created something called the Cloud Readiness Index, which ranks each Asian country's readiness for cloud computing. Some countries are more ready than others. Um, and this is a way of, of encouraging companies, to, or excuse me, encouraging countries to, uh, to promote cloud computing in their country. And another thing that the association does, it's created this checklist that I mentioned earlier. It calls uh, this checklist the Cloud Assessment Tool. And again, you can find the cloud assessment tool on, on their website at asiacloud.org. 
Um, the cloud assessment tool is a uh, it's effectively a list of all the things that any head of technology or CIO or whomever would be thinking seriously about adopting cloud computing. It's the things that they need to pay attention to, focus on, understand the details of. Again, I gave three examples earlier, data security, performance, um, how you pay for the, the service. But there's many others. And you know, how do you license? What are, the, what, what, what are some of the licensing issues you need to think about with cloud computing? Um, there's, If I remember correctly, there's about 12 or 13 major parameters that are included in this checklist, which um, it's an interactive um, checklist that, that effectively allows you to understand which of the issues are more important for you, depending on which applications you are thinking of putting into the cloud. If you are putting a business critical application in the cloud, there are issues that are that are more important than if you are putting a, an application in the cloud, for example, that may be less business critical. So the, <clears throat> the checklist gives you a, a good sense of which of those things you need to emphasize and pay more attention to than the others. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen the tool. I think it's an awesome tool. And uh, I, I kind of know a number of people who've been working on it. And uh, you, you recently launched an online version of that, right? We did, yes. Okay. It. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's a great tool for uh, cloud users and cloud service providers. So I, I really encourage our listeners to, to go take a look at that. Uh, so I want to ask you, what in your experience is the biggest misconception about cloud in Asia? That's a great question, Armand. I would say it's that it's a fad. I think you know, some people uh, are fairly convinced that cloud computing is just a marketing fad. Um, that it's not something that is going to substantially change the industry. I couldn't disagree more. I think cloud computing is here to stay because it shifts fixed costs to variable costs. And I think that's one of the things that's fundamentally different about it versus technology trends that have happened in the past. It lowers overall costs. It frees companies from managing technology and instead allows them to focus on what matters. Um, it allows a lower entry cost. And as a result, it permits experiment a level of experimentation and a frequency of experimentation that was never possible before in the past if you wanted to try out a new product or a new service you'd have to buy a server or perhaps buy many servers you'd have to install operating systems on them you'd have to have the people to do that uh, by the time you actually got around to testing the product developing and testing the product you had spent a lot of time and a lot of money actually getting to that starting point. So cloud computing allows you to get to that starting point much more quickly and much more affordably, meaning that you can go through a variety of, of tests and iterations on new product concepts or new service concepts without all the pain and time and investment that it previously took. So I think one of the things that excites me a lot about cloud computing is I think it's going to just break the box open on innovation. Um, anyone can innovate now. You don't have to have significant amounts of capital. You don't have to have access to a data center. <clears throat> you don't have to have access to a, an army of technologists to be able to do things today as a, as a result of cloud computing that you had to have in the past. So expect to see significant uh, innovation to come as a, as a result of what cloud computing can do. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just it's just crazy to think about this. You know, it is totally possible for a couple, you know, geeky little individuals sitting at this coffee shop and running a, uh, you know, multi-million dollar business, probably competing with uh, huge MNCs, right? So it's just it's just scary stuff. Yeah, yeah, amazing stuff. So, Mark, what do you think major cloud adoption hurdles are here in Asia? Well, I mean, I think Asia has the opportunity to become a strong competitor in cloud computing. Um, but one of the biggest weaknesses that it has, or one of the biggest threats that it has, is the fact that it's made up of many different sovereign nations, each of which have their own regulatory regimes and requirements and uh, rules that are unfolding regarding the governance of cloud computing. And this is creating a lot of confusion, a lot of um, difficulty for companies that are uh, regionally oriented or globally oriented and looking to try to do things consistently across the, the many different countries of Asia. This uneven regulatory landscape challenges and complicates having a consistent approach to Asia. So there's a lot of confusion about data sovereignty and it's, uh, it's, the confusion is increased because many countries are not making clear what their data sovereignty rules are. So, you know, the question of where can data reside and where can it not reside is a pretty, pretty basic question, but it's, it's thwarting the adoption of cloud computing throughout Asia. <clears throat> so each country has these unique regulations. These regulations in some cases are outdated. In some cases, they're unclear. They're, they're not transparent. And in some cases, they're, they're unfriendly. And this is holding Asia back from being the major competitor that it, that it could be. Um, some countries are, are doing very well, like Japan and Singapore and Hong Kong. The regulations there have been well considered and, and well positioned. But in other countries, uh, you know, that's not the case. Um, the regulator is typically moving at a much slower pace than the industry is. And so this is causing a lot of problems with, uh, with, with adopting cloud computing across Asia. We need to get uh, some homogeneity across the environment if we can. Uh, and that's one of the things that also that the Asia Cloud Computing Association is uh, well positioned to help with. It's, it's technology neutral, it's vendor neutral, and it has the best interest of the industry in mind. And so it can have a, an honest and neutral discussion with the regulators across Asia to try to get from where we are today to where we need to be to have a, you know, a union of regulations much like you see in, in, um, in Europe or you know, much greater consistency as you would see in the United States as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's inevitable. We're going to get to a point where, you know, countries uh, are comfortable with uh, each other in terms of cloud and where the data reside. I've been reading this uh, new article, and uh, I, one of the objectives of this show is to, um, to try to inform people about uh, new research and, and new things on cloud. And this research was done by Symantec, and... Um, uh, Semantic identified a number of problems in Southeast Asia with regards to cloud, and one of which uh, was what they called rogue clouds. Uh, so what exactly are rogue, rogue clouds, and, and how would you advise businesses to prepare for them before taking that leap of faith? Well, I have to admit, uh, Ahmed, I didn't, 
I didn't know what Rogue Cloud was, but I uh, did a little research before the uh, the podcast, and I found the semantic article that you were talking about. I encourage your audience to find it as well. It's pretty easily done with a Google search. Uh, but basically what they were saying was that Rogue Clouds are examples where somebody within an organization on their own, maybe without any consultation with the technology department or any consideration to the company's policies and procedures, goes out and there's some sort of a cloud solution. That's very possible to do today because cloud solutions can be procured with the swipe of a credit card. So you have uh, situations in companies where despite a company's governance and despite its uh, firewalls that it's established and you know, various precautions that it has taken, it's quite easy to breach that and to establish access to a cloud service uh, that you know that is countered maybe to those policies, etc. So, in effect, we we have here something. It's it's not a new issue. It's really an old issue at the core of this. This is a this is a resource around which governance needs to be established for any consumption of that resource by the enterprise. And it can happen with small companies. It can happen with large companies. But if there is a lack of governance, then that translates to a lack of control. And again, I, I don't think we necessarily need to to differentiate that in this case the resource is cloud, a cloud computing resource. It could be any resource, any company that does not have yeah. good controls and good governance around the resources that it is using is looking for trouble. So I'd encourage the audience that is considering to adopt cloud computing to think carefully about what will be its policies, what will be its um, governance model to ensure that rogue clouds don't arise within that company. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a critical prerequisite step to address before actually considering the consumption of any cloud service. Okay, that's all we have time for. Uh, any last comments, Mark? Well, but only that, uh, again, I think it's a great idea that you have to start this podcast. Uh, I think it will help with the exchange of ideas among the various stakeholders in the region. Uh, And so it's it's a great, great concept and wish you all the luck. And thank you again for the opportunity to participate. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening. See you in the next episode of Cloud Computing Asia Podcast. This is Omid. Over and out.